Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. Before we get to the meat of the show, I want to give a shout out to you, our listeners, who keep us going every day. You know, real talk, since the pandemic, reading has become a real important part of my daily routine. And getting the chance to do this podcast and bring you new books, interesting authors, and interviews about books I never would have given a second glance has been an absolute joy. And it's only possible because of listeners like you who contribute to the show, which helps keep books and reading alive. If you want to join, please make a donation. You can head to donate.npr.org books. The Book of the Day podcast is a team effort. Me, Isabella, Megan, and the rest of the crew, and you. It's the end of the year, you know, the giving season, and your donation this season really means a lot to us. And it helps us get the word out about these books to listeners who aren't in a place to donate. So if you can, know it goes a long, long way. Again, the link is at donate.npr.org books. Really, truly, thank you. Okay, on to today's show. The stats about loneliness, depression, and suicide are looking grim. It appears as if most of us are operating under this weight of stress, and it's leading to what experts call deaths of despair. And while that's our everyday, this is not normal. And we should stop pretending like it is. That's the argument posed by today's author, physician Gabor Mate. He talked to here and now's Peter O'Dowd about his book, The Myth of Normal, and how this life cycle of trauma and stress actually starts in utero, and how a major contributing factor to it is capitalism. How many reminders do we need that everyday life in America is taking its toll? School shootings are sadly just the beginning. Poverty, racism, and inequality make life deeply stressful for millions of Americans. Even a good job and a college degree isn't enough to protect you from the reality that American culture is making us sick. In fact, it's killing us. That is the point of Dr. Gabor Mate's new book. It's called The Myth of Normal, Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture. Dr. Mate, welcome to Here and Now. Thank you. Good to be with you. How is it that our culture, everything that we think of as normal, everyday life, how is that toxic and making us sick? Well, first, let's look at the results. There's a growing incidence of childhood suicides. Last year in the United States, over 100,000 people died of overdoses, which means almost twice as many died in one year of overdoses as Americans who died in the Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghan wars put together. The number of children and adults being diagnosed with depression and anxiety is going up. The number of people with autoimmune disease, diabetes, heart disease is going up. We can either assume that these are all random genetic misfortunes, which scientifically they're not, or we can assume that there's something in the environment, in how we live our lives, in the culture, that is driving a lot of people towards illness. What do you think it is that's making us sick? We can begin with the stresses on women during pregnancy, stresses on the pregnant mother, translate into potentiality for ill health on the part of the child later on in life. We don't teach parents about trauma. We don't teach physicians, educators, or the law profession about trauma. And yet trauma is the underlying root of so many conditions of mind and body. The result is we have a lot of illness, and not accidentally, but as normal responses to what is essentially an abnormal culture. Mm. You write a lot about children and what this trauma, these stresses that are in our lives, what that does to children when they're exposed to them at a young age. 
what can you tell us about how damaging that is to kids later in life? The biggest influence, according to all the research, on the healthy development of the brain's circuitry is the emotional relationship between the child and the nurturing caregivers. That means that the more parents are traumatized, either by their own childhood issues or by racism or poverty or by economic stresses, that stress translates into the child's brain development. And so in a society that stresses parents as severely as this society does, children don't develop along healthy lines. You know, it's amazing to hear you say that because I know you're a parent, I'm a parent, and I think that parents are aware of the damage that's being done to their kids, right? Which is why we feel guilty all the time. It's why we feel like we're not good enough or that problems our kids are are facing, that it's our fault. Yeah. What do you say to that? Nobody should feel guilty about that because we need to understand that we don't do this deliberately or consciously. We need to understand the social pressures under which we're raising children. And that begins with our own mental states, what traumas are socially being passed on to their kids, robbing children of the opportunity to have free, spontaneous, creative play, because we replace that with programmed, digitalized play that's designed to make kids addicted to uh, devices. There are so many factors in this society that interfere with our healthy capacity to raise children. It's not the fault of individual parents. Nobody needs to feel guilty, but we should all take responsibility for it. Hmm. Well, I want to get back into this question of why this is happening, why our culture is so toxic. I mean, you make the claim in the book that's going to be controversial in some circles because you say that it's capitalism that's driving all of this. So make the case, because there are a lot of people who would argue capitalism is what makes this country as great and as powerful as it is. Nothing is totally one-sided, so that nobody can deny the incredible economic, technological, scientific, medical advancements that have occurred under the capitalist system in the last 200 years. The question is, what is the downside? What you can see in the last 40 years, as neoliberal capitalism has taken over the world, we've seen a worldwide rise in incidents of obesity to the point where loneliness has increased in the world to such a point that Surgeon General Vivek Murthy has said to write a book on loneliness. The British government has appointed a minister for loneliness. Now, these are not separable from the rise of globalized capitalism in which the corporations pretty much control governments, or at least heavily influence policy. So what I'm saying is that it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, great advances, but on the other hand, we tell people that human nature is selfish, aggressive, individualistic, competitive, and greedy. Mm. We say, oh, that's just human nature. And yet, communality and connection and collaboration is how we evolved as human beings. So there's something about the way the system is operating now that is undermining health. And if you want to look at the 100,000 overdose deaths in the United States, they have been called deaths of despair. Why are people in despair? Because they've lost their jobs due to globalization, the sense of loss of meaning and purpose and belonging in communities. Well, these are also the byproducts of globalized corporate capitalism. What role does personal responsibility and accountability for our own choices and our own happiness, how does that come into play? I worked with drug addicts for 12 years in North America's most dire area of drug use in Vancouver's downtown east side. All my clients that were severely abused as children, over hundreds of women, all of them had been sexually abused. Now, who chooses to be sexually abused? Hmm. 
And who chooses to be in emotional pain having been sexually abused? So when that person does an opiate and all of a sudden they feel pain relief, can we accuse them of having made a choice? And you draw a straight line from the abuse and the trauma to the addiction. Not only do I draw a straight line, all the scientific research draws a straight line. The famous adverse childhood experiences studies, adverse childhood experience being physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, that's three. A parent dying, a parent being jailed, a parent being addicted, violence in the family, neglect, a rancorous divorce. So by the time a male child has experienced six of these, his risk of being an injection-using drug addict is 4,600% greater, 46-fold, than that of somebody with no such experiences. Can you accuse them of having made a choice? I know that anybody who reads this book will be able to draw parallels to their own lives, right? So if I look at my family, we've adopted our kids through foster care. So my kids have had some huge challenges I can't help but read your book and then despair over their future. And so I hope there is some hope for all of us who've experienced these types of trauma in our lives. Those children that you're with, because they were adopted through the foster system, statistically, they're certainly at risk. There's no question about it. But there's a lot that you can do to mitigate that risk. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of possibility because the brain has capacity to develop new circuits, and people have the capacity to heal emotionally and psychologically. I don't despair for your kids. I'm glad for them because they have you in their lives, and that already has mitigated their risk. One time I finished reading your book, and my child was having a very difficult time, and I, I paused and I thought to myself, I just learned that you never attached to your birth mother, and I was so sad for her instead of angry with her. And it shifted the way I treated her and dealt with the challenge. And it was, (laughs) it was profound. You know, it really made a difference for her. Isn't that amazing? Because here's the thing, the child was acting out, right? Yes. Now, look at this phrase acting out. It doesn't mean being bad. The English phrase acting out is very specific. It means you portray in behavior something you haven't got the words to say in language. In a game of charades, you're not allowed to speak. What do you have to do? Act. Act it out. Mm. Your kids are acting out their emotions and their emotional needs. And in that moment, you understood that about your child. And that's what made all the difference. So what we have to understand is what our kids are acting out and respond to the emotional message, not to the behavior. And all the stupid parenting advice that's given out in North America to most parents is respond to the behavior, try and suppress the behavior, never to understand what is being acted out. That's why I write my books. The book is called The Myth of Normal Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture. Dr. Gabor Mate, thank you so much for speaking with us today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. 